Welcome to Malts and Music, a brand new podcast brought to you by the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. My name is Vic Galloway. I'm a broadcaster, author, musician, and lifelong music fan. I'm also a massive whiskey fan. This podcast is inspired by my own experience of pairing up 12 single cask malt whiskey flavor profiles with 12 music genres. I thought, let's do something similar. Get some creative people to pair up five tracks with five delicious whiskies. We also talk about their lives, their careers, their experiences, and go off on various tangents. Enjoy, slanch. Norman Blake, welcome to Malts and Music. Well, hi, hi there, Vic. Thanks for having me along. I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's it's great to to, to see you and to chat about music and obviously this delicious whiskey. Yeah. How did you get on with the the challenge? The five tracks and the five drams. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did match some songs uh, with the whiskies, and um, I th- you know, I think very much suggested. Or, you know, my choices were suggested by partly the, the 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 greater wisdom of the people who have kind of come up, come up with the names of these whiskies and with the descriptions of them. I think you know that w- that helped me uh, with my musical choices. You know, because I, I you know I, I, I like whiskey, but I don't know a, an awful lot about it. But I do well, like no, it. I'm the same. I mean. Yeah. Um, working for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society and doing these podcasts and originally pairing up my the, the 12 flavour profiles with, with 12 music genres was completely new to me. How yeah. did you find it though? Because a lot of people are like, oh, it, it took me a while. Yeah, it's really a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Is, it? You know, it's, it's, it's quite oh, abstract. I mean, really, it's really abstract actually. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't, you don't really, you don't tend to, I don't tend to, you know, match music with food or whatever in a way or, you know, or, yeah. you know any other kind of product or, you know. Um, so it's a, it's a sort of new thing for me, um, as I'm sure it is for everyone that is doing this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah. After, after the first one, you sort of, I think you find your feet a bit and then you're like, oh, right, yeah. now I can, I can get into the swing I, of this. I, I, I'd imagine that I'm going to try and make uh, these uh, whiskies uh, fit my, you know, uh, choices, you know, yeah, in yeah. whatever way I can. Well, so it's, it's, uh, it's going to be like that, isn't it? You, you're a massive music fan and... You know, you'll you'll revert to certain kinds of genres or or music that you already love, yeah. and, and accompany it with a dram. That's great. And what what kind of whiskey do you go for if you're picking something off a shelf in a? Uh, do in you a know, bar? like a space side. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's, they, they tend to be my favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, something quite light in a way. You know, nothing, um, not massively into heavily peated ones or anything like that. You know, I don't think. But um, in this sample pack, I don't think there was anything particularly peaty, was there? No, there wasn't actually. No. No, there wasn't. There were, you know, um, so um, yeah, nothing too heavy. And actually, I did like them all, and and they were all very different, which I obviously expected. But you know, yes. um, Um, Well, I love the little sample packs, and we've got our tasting. Well, yes, you know, it's something you you really, you know, never really get to sample different whiskies. You know, normally when you have whiskey, you stick to the same one, right? That's kind of how it works. Um, but you know, so it's interesting when you get to taste uh, a few uh, in a short piece of time. Uh, you know that you can really notice the differences. So, uh, but shall we? Shall we get stuck yeah, in? Shall we start with dram number one? Okie dokie. Uh, and uh, yeah, are we in for adventures by the sea? Yes, we're going for adventures, adventures by, by the, the sea. sea. Okay, which is a Highland and. Um, 2005 was when it was distilled. Mm-hmm. Ex uh, bourbon barrel as well. Yep. Um, cask number 42.54. So that's the 42nd distillery, 54. Okay. Oh, right. I see that. That's, that's right. how those numbers work. Okay. Let's, okay. let's right, go. Great. Let's, okay. let's pour one in. Here we go. All right. Pour one there. And I'll 
I will do now. I'll just do some of the tasting notes here. My sight's getting a little bit worse. Maybe it's all this whiskey. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, we felt the need to sharpen an axe with a whetstone, and inevitably an accident happened as we opened the first aid box. All we saw were salted toffees, ginger cake, and Turkish delight. On it goes, but I love, I love the descriptions. Uh, this one, as you've just mentioned, Adventures by the Sea. It's an oily and coastal tasting profile. Yeah. Um, let's have a, let's let's have have a sip. A, slange. Slange, yeah. see you, Norman. Slightly likewise. Likewise. Oh. Cask strength, um, yeah. 61.6% volume. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, wow. And we should say that uh, we are recording this in an afternoon as well. We are like, recording there's, it in there's an daylight afternoon. out there. <laughs> it's very nice though. I mean, it really is. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's nice. extraordinary. Um, <clears throat> a tint of whiskey with my dad of a Sunday. My dad likes, but he likes a blend. He's mm-hmm. always just gone for you know a blend and it can be a, a number of various ones. Uh, my sister used to live above the Justerini in Brooks Place and just off Rose Street, I think it is, mm-hmm. many years ago. So we had that from time to time. Right, um, yeah. Oh yeah, well, so oily and coastal profile. I, mm. I love these. Like mm. they, they're really suggestive in terms of the the the, the, the profile and the sort of uh, yeah. tarry ropes, oysters, marmite, olive oil, harbour walls, beach bonfire, salted caramel. Right. Yeah, I, I truly get the oiliness too. Yeah. Actually, yeah. The, the, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, and when, when you know again, the name suggests to me coastal. I was kind of thinking some kind of turbulent sort of seascape. Yeah. Turner Seascape there too, you know, mm. um, which was a kind of suggested the music that I chose for this yeah. in a way. So, so what have you gone for with this one? I think I've gone for the Gang of Four. I found that essence rare. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think it was more because it's, um, you know, I was thinking of something that was maybe, I don't know, you know. Propulsive. Yeah, yeah. And something a little aggressive, you know, and, yeah. but, but, you know, controlled. Controlled mm. aggression, um, yeah. and uh, and, I, and I actually, funnily enough, I hadn't. Uh, I don't know why that sprung to mind. I hadn't played that song in a long, long time. But um, of entertainment, yeah, yeah, great, great album. Were you, yeah. were you into it? I was at the younger? time. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I really liked it a lot. Um, and uh, but it's still, it's really um, stood the test of time in terms of sonically. It's really brilliant. It's really focused, mm-hmm. and tight. You know, um, the drums are really dry. It's right in your face. You know, and. Yeah. Um, and it's really, um, it's really great. Like really sophisticated in terms of the arrangement. The plane's brilliant. You're the really tight band. Um, yeah, and um, hugely influential. You, you hear yeah. new bands now that sound almost you, identical. Yeah, I mean, you do. Uh, you do. That's, I, I guess more so. I mean, I, you know, I guess a lot of people when Franz Ferdinand were around first would mm-hmm. sort of, you know, um, talk about them. That being, jagged uh, guitar. Yeah the, yeah, the angular sort of spiky guitar thing, which is a kind of gang of, you know, I found the instrument just totally got that spikiness. In the guitar, but then there's funk to it as well. Yeah, there, there is. There is. I mean, there was that thing that a lot of the the it's kind of because Gang of Four sort of post punk, you know. I mean, they're yeah. the tail end of punk, really. When you know the you know the, if you're thinking about the Pistols, Buzzcocks period, what little just a little bit later. Yeah. Um, and then if you think of people, uh, their contemporaries, um, you think of the pop group and people like that, and they were all in it, funk, gather uh, dub and funk, yeah, and, 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 yeah. and that was definitely coming through in the music, you know, and. Bands like Maximum Joy, all of that kind of post-punk mm-hmm. thing. There was a bit. There was the punk thing, but there was also this 
funk thing going on there too, and the reggae thing, which the Clash had kind of brought along with mm-hmm. the, the that because that, that's really how I, I kind of get into reggae. Yes, listen, I reggae think it was through the, the Clash, same, you know, and and through um, the specials and, and the specials, and, yeah, 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 totally, yeah, and that's um, you know madness and everything. I, that's how I sort of got into mm-hmm. reggae as well, but especially the Clash because initially yeah. when I heard Armageddon Time by yeah. the Clash, I thought it was kind of their song. Me which too. Would, and then you discover it's yeah. it's, a, it's a cover, but yeah, that they, that was and I was a really a real fan of the Clash, you know, and they kind of. Incorporated in the music, even from, you know, sort of, uh, White Man and Hammersmith Pallies. Yeah, got that sort of feel. To me. So, so, um, so anyway, that was. Uh, but yeah, uh, going back to the Gang of Four thing, that was uh, yes, yeah, this sort of spiky, you know, uh, I, I, propulsive I, thing, but it's it's focused and. I can see what you. I, I can see what you mean. Um, like pairing up. I mean, obviously, like as you mentioned earlier on, you're taking a bit of a journey every time. Yeah. yeah. It's like if someone pairs food with whiskey, you, you don't always agree with them. You know, yeah. it might be like, well, actually, I would have had spaghetti bolognese with that yeah, or whatever course. it was. Yeah, yeah totally, totally that. Um, it's a difficult thing. Again, like I say, I, 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 there's, you know, inevitably the, the, the names of the whiskeys are going to suggest um, something, you know, that, that, that kind of worked for me for sure. And also, you know, I, I did, you know, I did note that, um, you know, the, the colour coding on the bottles too. So I was sort of drunk. So I, 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 maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe you should have tasted it blind. You know, maybe it's best to taste it blind without looking at the, the well, code, I think, as you said, it's quite an esoteric sort of um, approach, you know, pairing something like music with something that you taste. I mean, it's... Yeah. it's I, I, that's why we're doing this podcast, yeah, obviously. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting to do and people are really rising to the challenge and enjoying it. But um, it is an odd thing. But it does... You, this isn't a sweet, um, caramelly kind of whiskey at all. This is quite spiky. In yeah, it really way, is. It's, yeah, it's, there's a space in there that is spiky, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, you're you're a songwriter, um, you know. You're a you're a rock star, Norman. Mm. Um, <laughs> but but you're a fan as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do you what's your preferred medium? Streaming, downloading, vinyl, I, CD. I do a bit of all of it, really. But um, you know, I still like buying vinyl. I always, if a record comes out, I'll always buy it in vinyl. And with the band, my the band Teenage Fan Club that I play with, we've always had a vinyl release for everything. So mm-hmm. singles, albums. Everything that we've put out has had a vinyl release. Even at the period in the sort of early 2000s when, when a lot of people stopped making, you know, we're just making CDs, we always yeah. did a vinyl issue of that. And it's interesting that, you know, the, um, you know, over the years, the production run would get smaller because we're like, okay, how many are we going to sell? Because you know, people talk about things shipping gold and returning platinum, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. Ten thousand is like, oh, we'll get eight thousand sent back. So what's been interesting over the last couple of years is that the the, the production runs are bigger, so you're, we're selling more proportionately. The big thing now is vinyl. Still sell CDs. I actually really like CDs. Um, I do too. And it's funny. I because, bought the yeah. the end, endless arcade on CD yeah. actually. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, and it's. You know, I, I like CDs in the car. I, it's a great it's format. A great format. Yeah, I think brilliant. it's coming back as well. I, I think it is too. They're actually becoming collectible as well. CDs, yeah. good because especially the earlier CDs were the, the, the they were well made. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, um, and yeah, it's just a, a really good thing a CD. Like so, you can stick it in the car. It's durable. You know, yeah. you yeah. can't quite smear. Remember, I think I remember thinking Tomorrow's World when we were talking. Get this new thing a CD, and you can you know, smear you can, jam on it, sand and all. Well, you can't quite do that. But although there, I think you can get little machines that can scrape the top layer of plastic off to 
you know, to make it sound to make good them again. work again. Right? Yeah, because yeah. I have a couple of CDs that are scratched. Oh yeah, I there's... love vinyl and I love CD. I... I stream and download as well. I do all of those things. Yeah. I think we all do. The, the yeah. convenience of streaming is brilliant. The fact that, and, and uh, you know, they all obviously, as a, as a musician, I have issues with the, the way that music, we are being remunerated yeah. by the, the streaming companies. It's clearly not fair, um, you know. But I think especially, um, you know, we can still go out and tour um, and we, can, we still have revenue streams for our band, but for young bands, it's really tough. Trying to establish yourself when people like don't know you and they, yeah. they're not going to take a risk and buy a piece of vinyl or make, perhaps they will, but there'll be three or four hundred of them yeah. rather than enough. It, to and what happens then is that, especially for young bands, like so we can can do this as a for a, as a living. Right, this is, I would say this is what I do. Right, I'm a musician, but if you're twenty, five year, twenty year olds, and you've got a band. And the only way they can make money is to tour as a musician these days, right? It's by, unless you're really famous and you can sell yeah. it. But okay. So um, what you, the problem that you run into then is that, you know, some people will be working, you know, and they can't get time off work to tour. And you have to try and coordinate that. and Or, or you just have to play gigs sporadically. Yeah. And, it just, and you can't build and, up a momentum. And you can't build any momentum up. And you, can't, and you can't commit to touring. So you may be asked to go and tour with a bigger band to make, you know, you get, make, you get some exposure yeah. doing that and you can't do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's just tough, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, talking of young bands, new bands, is there anyone, I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, but is there mm. any, any new... Any new artists that have grabbed you recently that you'd recommend anyone? Do you know I'm not so great on new artists because I, 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 I think partly because I'm I'm almost fifty six, right? And and it's it's partly that I'm just not as good at keeping up with thing, yeah. contemporary music as I used to. But we have played with some younger bands over the last couple of years, and I, we played with um, Robert Forster's son, son's band, the, the, oh, Goon the Goon Sax, Sax. Yeah, yeah, and they were really great actually. You know, they I really liked them. They um, definitely sound. They've got a bit of the go-betweens in. They them. have. They have. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I suppose if you grow up with that, and it's, you, you, you know, you would be that. Would I've be done a. I've done a on my BBC show. I've done a kind of goon sacks into the go-betweens segue. Yeah. Uh, which is quite fun. I'm, I'm. I'm not sure they really approve of that, but. Well, I thought you, it sounded. But you know, big. it's funny. We, the last time we were over in Australia, um, uh, we, they played with us a couple of shows with us, and Robert was down because we know Robert we with Go Betweens years ago, and right. We, so it was just great seeing Robert being around as the dad, yeah. whose boy was on stage. It was pretty. It was pretty amazing, you know. And I think you know Ed, he was enjoying it. You know, he's yeah. enjoying the and he's enjoying their success. I think you know, and uh, you know, so they were great. Um, and I'm trying to think who else. I've, I've, you know, so I, I do my best to keep up with things, but I've, inevitably, it's one of those questions that whenever I get asked, that I've kind of have this kind of big white blank space. I do in front it. Of my, I do it for a living. I know Norman, you do it professionally, and, so and I still get those. Yeah, things. Bit, yeah. Someone goes, what's what's the best band in Fife at the moment? Yeah. And I'm like, Fife bands. Yeah, and then you're kind of like, ah, oh, yeah. yeah. But 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 it's great. And actually, that's a great thing to do. You know, for what you do for a living, because that you do get to hear great music. You know, you know, pluggers, people say, "Oh, you should check this out." Yeah. You know, uh, you, you know, people will know. Uh, people will have an, an idea of what you like mm-hmm. already. Fake Galloway is going to like that, and they'll send it off to you. So that's yeah. a great way for you to discover things that you will probably like because people will be aware that you're going to like them. If that makes yeah, any sense? Yeah. Yeah. No. no <laughs> absolutely. No. It's, no I, I I feel very lucky to be able to play tunes and mm. and and uh, on the radio or match them with whiskey for that matter yeah um yeah uh, do you want, i'm gonna try a little bit of water yeah that's a one. that's a good just, idea just isn't it the, um, the last for the, yeah um because it does change the sort of flavor do, and do you know if my mum was here she would she would come through she would, do, you, do you want some shortbread yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was well wherever my dad gets whiskey she said, do, you want, do you want some shortbread to, to go with it to, to soak it up that, i think that's the the idea mm. so um 
So Sunday whiskey drinking with dad. That's yeah, yeah, Sunday evening. Yeah. We, we, we wouldn't start at uh, two o'clock. No, no. We're doing today. But, uh, but Sunday evening we'd have a... You see, this thing, it's amazing. It is amazing when you add water to the whiskey. It's it just completely softened it, hasn't it? It really softens it, yeah. It's, and it almost feel, it, well, it feels less, less spiky and more, yeah. a little bit more rounded. It, but it does show you the kind of depth of it in a way that you could, depending on how much water you add to it, you know, so you, 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 everyone, you know, you, you can get different whiskey with every amount of water mm. that you add to it. You know, it's just interesting that, so people will, will have their preference in that way that, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know it's not like quite like, um, you know, the, how dark your tea is, but, you know, how much milk mm. you put in it, but it's along those lines. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. But, um, and that some people put a block of, of ice or, or two in a whiskey as well. Yeah. Um, now, what's the rationale with that? Because you imagine as the ice cube melts, right, it, soft, it softens the taste. Or yeah, what? yeah, it dilutes and, the whiskey and bit by bit. It. And obviously, it makes it cold as well, which is not necessarily the way it should be. Yeah. I mean, each to their own. I'm not a kind of snob about this kind of stuff. Right. I, I realise that some people... I mean, I'm sure... Whiskey fanatics would sort of now, throw, throw would, you out of the whiskey. You know, what, what, would there be an optimum temperature to you know to drink whiskey at? You yeah. know, well, that's, that's weird because drinking whiskey in Jamaica will be different from yeah. drinking whiskey in yeah, the Highlands of Scotland. Yeah, room temperature is going to be a bit higher than you mm. know if some says room temperature or whatever. Or yeah. I, but I don't know. You know, it's like um. Anyway. Well, there's dram yeah. number one for me, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. But yeah. it's, it's quite a, you know, me too. But it's, it's yeah. quite a spiky one to yeah. start with, but, uh, but delicious. Yeah, yeah. So moving on to dram number two, which go. is it's the um, the angelic fruit mischievous spice, which is sweet, fruity, and mellow tasting profile. Read a little bit of the card and, here. And it's, yep, to Speyside. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a Speyside. Yeah. Um, Seventeen years. It was um, distilled in. Uh, September 2003, a rainbow of fruit arched over us, scattering delightful aromas of citrus, juicy mango, pineapple, and soft fruit compote. Um, also honey, caramel, condensed milk, and vanilla. Well, that already suggests lots of amazing tasting. It certainly does, doesn't it? Yeah. Notes. Distilled September 11th, 2003. New glass. Here we go. The old glass there. Yep. Uh, Love these glasses with the uh, Scotch malt whiskey side. Yeah, they're very nice, aren't they? It's a lovely little glass that bit, so I'll just get a cap on there and... Uh, yep. So here it is. So let's nose this one. Oh, completely different already, isn't much it? Much lighter, much milder, yeah. much... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm going to go for it. Oh, far more mild and yeah. much sweeter. And yeah, but there's a very complex as well. Yeah. I mean, there's you know, there's a you know, there's a kick to it. Yeah, there, there is for sure. Yeah, it's not the which I wasn't expecting. To yeah, be honest with you, I thought it was going to be. Um, it was going to be much lighter in comparison yeah. to the first yeah. one. It, it is, but it's still got that punch. Yeah, it has for sure. Yeah. Mm. And yeah. And so, um, you paired. What have you paired this one? Seventeen-year-old. Uh, no, I think could this be a Captain Beefheart track? It is. It is Captain Beefheart and his magic band, Call on Me. Yeah, something about this whiskey suggested California to me. I don't mm-hmm. know why. Um, West Coast sunshine, maybe the, the the sunshine, the fruit, the fruitiness of it. You know, they kind of thing. Like, you know, yeah. yeah. So that, that that was kind of where where I was coming from with that. Um, the, you know, um, yeah, you can imagine the, the the citrus groves in in California or whatever. Um, 
Yeah. Um, but for some reason, it suggested this track. Actually, it's an early Captain Beefheart thing. It's from their uh, first album. Um, Safe as Milk. Safe as Milk, yeah. 67? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And I really love Clear Spot and the Spotlight Kid, those yeah, two me records. Too. I think Clear Spot could be my favourite Captain Beefheart record, actually, as well. I mean, I don't know if. But we, we, um, when we were um, making our first um, album, that was a record that we listened to all the time. Really? Yeah, Clear Spot was a big, you know, big influence on uh, on the band. It's, I think on Raymond's guitar playing. Yeah. Raymond, the guy who plays guitar in our band. Yeah. That was a big influence in his style of play. Uh, but yeah, I, I've always um, I've always um, been a fan of Captain Beefheart. I've, I've realised that whenever I am asked to talk about favourite records, I t- tend to come up with a Captain Beefheart track. Yeah. Um, and I've even recently gotten into um, Trout Mask Replica. I was, was going to go down. Took that me a path. long, long time to get that, but um, but I can't. You know, it's not my favourite record that they made, but I can I, I can sort of he- listen to more than I could years ago. I just yeah. I found it. Are you into jazz? Are you, do you like yeah, and, yeah. and sort of more kind of um, atonal kind of skulking, yeah, you know, or whatever that kind pop. of thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I, can, yeah I am actually. I can listen. I mean, I think uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm fairly open minded when it comes to music. You know, mm-hmm. I think th- I, I do like things that are, can be quite noisy, but um, you know, things that are quite abstract. I mean, I suppose the the, the our band were, you know, um, people when people think of us, they think of sort of melodic pop music harmonies, but. Um, but myself and Raymond, when we were younger, both liked throwing gristle a lot, you know. Right. It, it, the aesthetic of that and the music as well, actually, you know, because of course there is a lot of music in that, uh, which I think was mostly made by Chris Carter. Yes, yeah. Um, but 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 um, yeah, we did like sort of abstract things too, you know, and I yeah. still do. So I, you know, I still still. Like yeah, and I mean, open-minded. when teen- teenage fan club uh, kind of arrived. Um, 89 and into 90 and so on uh, noisy alternative rock music was making a breakthrough especially was. of American stuff yeah, and they, you were kind of yeah uh, like I, I don't know you were you were part you were kind of the UK equivalent we were definitely yeah, I, I think time, we I think. were definitely influenced by that and you're right it was American the, the big thing in, in the UK at that time was um, where were American bands were the coolest yeah. bands Sonic Youth um, if you're getting to be, if you want to be a bit more obscure than that, you would think about Big Black, yes, Steve yeah. Albini's band. Actually, I went to see them in Newport in Wales. With I'm friends with John Robb, as you are yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, John Robb from Membranes. Yeah, and and so I was hanging out at John's uh, flat in Manchester when I was, uh, well, it must have been early 20s at the time, mm-hmm. me and my girlfriend had hitchhiked down. And we went to, uh, in the, with the Membranes down to Newport, and they were supporting Big Black. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, Membranes were the first band that um, like asked Albini to produce them or record yeah, them. Yeah, and um, it, you know, now, it, could, now, it could well have been that night. I mean, it really, it could have been because right, I think wow. they, that was they hadn't played with them before. It was Newport, Gwent or whatever, you know, and, and they, they did that show. Uh, and I'd gotten to know the Membranes through Stephen Pastel was friends with John Robb, I think, because of fanzines and stuff yes, like that, yeah. you know. But great guy. And actually, for the uh, when we made the first Teenage Fan Club LP, we stayed at John Robb's... Um, and John Robb's sauna. I think I mentioned this. You, to you before. We, we've yeah. talked about this before, but yeah. for people who don't uh, didn't hear that, yeah, d- describe that because it's quite odd. Yeah, John had this. Uh, it was a, a kind of like a squat, pretty much. They yeah. had a flat they had in Manchester, a house, uh, um, but on the roof of the house, there was the roof, I think, but it was covered in some way. Uh, there was a sauna, 
um, I, which wasn't working, non-functional sauna. But I had these benches, um, so you could sort of, you know, sleep in them, which, yeah. uh, which is what we did. And we were making our um, uh, first album at Sweet 16 in Rochdale, which is... Uh, it's Peter Hook's studio. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is it, does it still exist? That I don't think it does actually. I'm, I think it's right. gone now. So we move on to dram number three, Norman. Yeah. Um, a rustic dance. Oh, I think I, I remember what I chose for this. Now, yeah. Rustic dance, and actually, um, it was um, initially the name of the. I should definitely change my glass. In fact, before I do that, finish off dram number two. I'm not going to waste that. No, no, definitely um, not. A little palate cleanser there. Yeah, absolutely. A little sip of water. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, again, with the, with the everything, I've, uh, the, the name suggested, uh, initially was the thing that suggested uh, the, the piece of music. But then again, also, I guess the descriptor of it too. So again, someone looked at the Society's 12 flavour profiles, and this is a light and delicate. Yes. Um, no, no, this is a juicy oak and vanilla, this one. Oh dear, I'm wrong. Yeah, that's my um, colour blindness. I don't have colour blindness at this point. <laughs> Using that as an excuse. Okay, so, okay, a juicy oakie and vanilla. Okay, here we go. So when it goes. Yeah. And actually, this is actually even a better descriptor for the, um, the piece of music that I've chosen. Um, juicy oak. Because there's um, po- possibly oak involved in the... Uh, the music choice. In the music choice, yeah. So distilled March 2011, ex-bourbon uh, barrel, second fill, and it's yeah. a Highland. Now, are they all ex-bourbon barrels? I know that's a big thing that they all come over. I but think uh, in today's uh, tasting pack, they are actually. But, but is, that, um, is that quite, a, that's very common, isn't it? The, I think the so, bourbon yeah. Barrels, yeah, it seems to be. The thing, yeah. isn't it? Are they, or, or, it or it can be can a sherry, the sherry cask. Ba- the yeah. sherry casks, yeah, yeah is yeah. the other thing, but... Um, yeah, I'll try some of these. Uh, you know, you've got the little tasting card that comes with the yeah. uh, with each dram in the tasting pack, and it says, "The fresh nose evoked the French countryside: grass, chamomile, oak forest, and pear and apple orchards. Eventually, reaching a cider press, giving off citrusy, boozy notes of enticement. I love all that stuff. It's enticement great. Enticement is a enticement's a good word. Though, enticement, yeah. Um, well, I'm yeah. In, I'm being enticed to taste this one. The nose is nice. It's now, immediately more sort of fruity. It know. is, for sure, yeah. Mm. And you're saying the, the last one we had um, still had a bit of a punch to it. It was sweet, fruity it and did, mellow. It but did. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm getting, I'm getting more fruit and more... There's absolutely more fruit in this, yeah. Um, and the vanilla, obviously. Yeah. Uh, some of the tasting notes here. Oiled wood, toasted oak, coriander seed... Pineapple sorbet. Wow, it's amazing that the sort of the, the, you know the different things that people can sort of you know find in these in the flavour or whatever the taste. Chocolate coated cherries, millionaire's shortbread. Oh, that's good. See, these are all very rich yeah. things, aren't they? But um, mm. having a sip. Oh, that's my favourite so far. I have mm, to say, it's lovely. It's very very nice, isn't it? The rustic dance thing. Yes. Now, partly, and I think this the, this whiskey does suit the music choice, actually. So the, the, I think the song that I chose for this was Willow's song. Yes. Um, which um, is uh, it's a track or song uh, by Paul Giovanni, mm-hmm. but it's from the um, uh, the Wicker Man soundtrack. 
It's the it's the kind of main the centerpiece to the yeah it, yeah it is indeed it's, and it's there it's, there's a scene where Brett Eklund is um, the, the, so I'm, I'm, hopefully I'm hoping that people have seen the Wicker Man if I'm not you should check story. it out it's great um, but anyway there's a scene with where Brett, Brett Eklund is naked and she's sort of uh, doing this sort of seductive enticing yes. dance uh, there's a police officer on the other side of the wall Edward Woodward Edward Woodward yeah uh, uh, and she's um, and she's sort of um, she does this kind of a sort of you know this dance naked dance um, um, I guess the, and, you know trying to entice him yeah very uh, very erotic very and he's, erotic he's being driven mad by yeah it. yeah very erotic um and I, I guess it's a, it's a bit of a rustic dance in a way too, which mm. matches the tale of this. But um, but yeah, and uh, you know also I think that thing with you know the, the sort of juiciness of it and the oak. Yeah. Um, is you thought of the wicker man itself. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. That sort of that, that sort of sprung to mind um, when I sampled this whiskey. Mm. And uh, yeah, Magnet was a sort of band I think put together for, to make it that. It was. Soundtrack. It was a New Yorker. Um, yeah. Paul Giovanni and he wrote the soundtrack. And the songs are very authentically Scottish, I think, actually. Yeah. You know, they sound like traditional Scottish folk songs, but they're not, you know, mm-hmm. they're written by him. In the soundtrack, there are a couple of modified Scottish folk songs. Um, but again, lyrically, it's um, it's a very strange film. I mean, it's difficult yes, to describe in a couple of sentences. It was an absolute classic of uh, British cinema, actually. I think it's mm-hmm. highly regarded. Um, but yeah, musically, it's great. Um, I looked into it a little bit because I, I had your choices in advance of, of us doing this and obviously I know the film and I know the soundtrack um, and it's not Britt Eklund actually singing the track. It's not. It's, it's her miming to it, now, as it were. Yeah, but, but I, I, I also looked into this because I knew we were doing this and I, I, I realised I didn't actually know who was singing it. So there are a couple of uh, contenders, I think, actually. Um, I can't remember. Karen something. Karen Every or something. Rachel, like I think, is Rachel. Okay, possibly, right. Verney, I think. Rachel Verney, maybe. Oh, right. I'll take, I'll, I think, I'll defer uh, to your better Rachel Verney, I think. Or, or, but some people think it's Annie Ross. Mm. Um, Scottish singer, yep. jazz singer. But um, I'm not sure who sang the, on the, the actual record. Well, you know, nerding out a little bit, I found out that one of the members of Magnet, I think they'd all been at music college together, or they sort of roughly knew each other, a guy called Peter Bruis mm-hmm. uh, went on to write a lot of comedy music, including the the chicken song for Spitting Image, and the, its B-side, uh, I ne- I've never met a nice South African, which I remember at the time Spitting Image released wow. that. Well, that's a very funny that, song. That's a, I didn't know that at all. So that's there, good, there you go. It's, it's amazing how you can sort yeah, of yeah. go down a rabbit hole. Well, yeah, I, like, I mean, I, I, I would like to do that. It's amazing that all this information is available on the internet now. Yeah. You know, um, you know in terms of... Uh, well, and that's actually one thing you lose um, in streaming. We're talking about streaming earlier, yeah. but you lose that with streaming because you don't have the information that you would have if you bought a record. Um, you know, if uh, that whole ritual of buying an album, getting it home, you would probably have a, an inner sleeve with the lyrics on it, all of the information about where it was recorded, the personnel, all of that stuff is missing from the streaming thing. And, uh, uh, you know, um, which to me is quite sad, actually. I, you know? I, I agree. I, I mean, I obviously use streaming platforms, you know, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, etc., etc. Um, like everyone, I mean, who doesn't now? Mm, if yep. you've got access to a computer and you love music, you're going to sit there, especially maybe with a whiskey or two, you'll, yeah. you'll sit and, like, my girlfriend and I will just 
you know, go, you know, have a have a have a wee nip of something and then just play tunes. And yeah. if you're swapping records all the time, it can become that's yeah, quite I'm, laborious in a no, way. No, totally. I've done that. that. That's a great thing. We would do that very often on a Friday night. That would be my Friday night for the last few years. Would be that, you know. Yeah. Nice food and then maybe a couple of drinks and you, you yeah you're just batting back and forth with music choices, and and that's the thing um, with the streaming things they do they do have suggestions that will maybe think, make you think oh well actually that's a great record too and you know well that's um, how I discovered I mean um, I didn't you, you don't discover the Stooges at the age of twelve years old necessarily mm-hmm. um, but I I would be listening to say a Sex Pistols record and find out that they covered No Fun and you think initially it's their song and then of course you realise it isn't and it's a a Stooges cover and you know you find your way through it. I think when I I was a kid if I had accent you'd hear about music you'd hear about bands you would have no way of hearing them you know you'd like hear about the Stooges yeah you're right you'd maybe hear a track on the radio but then you know if you wanted to hear the album well it was impossible you know you would have to either have a friend who had the album or, you know... Maybe a cool record shop that you could go into and ask <clears> them to order it in or something like something that. Something like that, yeah. And sometimes we got into a lot of American stuff, hardcore and punk yeah. rock from American, underground American music we were talking about earlier. And sometimes you'd have to send off for it. Yeah. You know, get a cassette in the post like a month later and you'd almost I, forgotten you'd ordered it. Yeah, that's right. You would hope that it was like what you were expecting. But, um, but yeah, with the streaming thing, you can actually... It is amazing. You can just listen to anything you you know you you want now, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. And um, although apart from a uh, uh, Trout Mask replica, that's not on um, Spotify or any of the streaming. Isn't services. it? I've not it's actually not, searched no. for it. No, no for some reason there must be some sort of um, I don't know contractual thing yeah, or legal yeah. thing that's stopping that being there. But yeah. But it was um, when before we were recording, as it were, I was talking to you about you know your your writing and recording setup at home. You've got a little studio. In your house now, like yeah. like most people uh, who make yeah. music, but yeah. uh, describe what what's your kind of process of you know, demoing and writing. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I actually um, I got into this thing. I was looking on YouTube, um, and I found this guy who was doing these instructional videos on GarageBand, you know, on mm-hmm. on an iPad, and and it kind of got me thinking. This is amazing. I'm going to give that a go because there's something that's very instantaneous about. Uh, I think it's something about the tactile nature of it. You can actually you you, you can bring up garage under uh, garage band for any American garage band. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> just pull up a drum set and start hitting the pads, and it'll sort of quantize it, and you, know, you can create a beat very quickly. And then you can very you, know, you can pull up a sort of bass and put in a little bass line. So you know, it's, in terms of being creative, it's amazing to do all of this. You know this little tablet or whatever, yeah. um, and that stuff wasn't available when you know when I was young. You could just you would have a, maybe if you're lucky a tape recorder. You know, yeah, a four I mean, track. A, a four track would yeah. be amazing if you could yeah. get that, but you know they were expensive then. Mm-hmm. Porta Studios and, and that kind of thing. So it's great um, in, in terms of creativity for kids now that they have all this right there. You know, um, if they have and, a, and do a, you a sort of write your you know. Classic writing a song on an acoustic guitar, and then quickly, if you've got something that you're happy with, record it in the in the home studio, send it to Raymond, well, that kind of thing. Yeah, what I tend to do is I'll just use the phone. So I, I should say iPhone, or or there are other phones, you know, like whatever. But you know, yeah. I just use a phone with the microphone and that. Put the idea down, and that's it. You know, and then um, we'll get together in the studio, um, and we tend, but we tend to not work out before we get to the studio. Um, that's maybe something we would have done in the past, but I, I personally like the idea of getting together 
um, and revealing the song on the day that you're going to record it, you know. Wow, yeah. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's just because I think... And do you have the song fully worked out, middle eight, <laughs> intros, I, I, outros? I tend to have a kind of rough structure um, and hopefully a lyric. Sometimes not a lyric, though, but, you know, a melody for sure. But um, but with the guys that, uh, that I work with in the band, they're great players. Dave McGowan's a, an amazing bass player. Frank's mm. a great drummer. Eros is really creative on keyboards and Raymond's a great guitar player. You know, it's mm. like, so you work with people, you kind of get to, to trust them, you know. I think years ago, I might have thought that, um, oh yeah, well, you know, I've got all these ideas, you know, I know how the song should, you know, the, the, how the, what the arrangement should be, what the guitar should do, what the keyboard should do. And I've realised that it's actually much better to just let people be expressive, and, you know, um, because you'll end up with something that's much more interesting. I wonder on the opening track on the new album, Endless Arcade Home, uh, there's like, it's... I mean, it's sort of 80% guitar solo, that song. Yeah, there's lots uh, of guitar was that, was that planned in advance? It wasn't. It just kind of happened. Um, um, I think we, we it was one of those songs where, again, I came in with the idea and we started playing through it, but it just felt that it wanted to go on a bit longer. Yeah. And Raymond started soloing on the end, and we, so we kind of did that until we kind of... I, I mean, in fact, on the record, it just kind of peters out, you know? Yeah. So we just played until we thought it had sort of come to an end, and then we kind of looked at each other and, you know... Um, stopped stopped yeah. yeah put the instruments down at that point um, but yeah um, but for me it's uh, I really like that now like I say in the past I was much more of a megalomaniac in yeah. terms of the production you know um, I, and I've realised that um, I get more pleasure from working with a group of musicians mm -hmm. and seeing what we can do collectively mm -hmm. um, it, well that's being in a band isn't it I, I feel similar when I make music I I like there are certain, I'm not going to say something, you know, every now and again, I feel this song should go in this direction yeah, and, you, yeah. and you sort of put your foot down a little yeah. bit. But by and large, I like the collaborative process. I'm exactly the same. And I think, like you say, sometimes you think, no, actually this, this part should definitely be like this or this riff needs to be there. But other than that, you know, let's you just, you know, play what you want, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I like the collaborative nature of being in a band. It is a band. You know, yeah. it's it's about the group of musicians playing together, and uh, any group of musicians playing together will sound different than any other group. You know, so that's the thing that that's the magic that you you want to yeah. capture and create. Uh, you know, um, um, and that sort of creative thing between for us at the moment it's five people is, is exciting. You know? Now, um, Jerry left the band fairly recently, and yeah. he was obviously one of the the writers. Yeah. Um, are Eros and Dave and everyone else contributing to writing? Yeah, well, not at the moment, but that's, I think... Potentially. A, yeah, yeah, potentially anything, but we're kind of open, open for anything, you know. For, for the longest time in the band, it was myself, Raymond and Jerry, who'd been in the band a long time, all three of us from the start. Um, we were the writers. It just kind of settled that way. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't defined at the start. It was just kind of set. We settled into this arrangement of having mm -hmm. four songs each on every album. Yeah. Um, and that's just the way it was. That's what we did. Um, um, but then, so yeah, like I said, the, the, the lineups changed a bit. And we, so we have brought this guy in, Eros Child. Who is a great songwriter? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, you, know, he, you, you uh, kind of want him to bring I mean, in a amazing. tune every now and again. Yeah, he's got so, great uh, so, melodies uh, in his head. Yeah, he definitely does. So I mean, who, but like I say, we, I think we've, we, we're now at the stage where we think, well, let's just try anything. Whatever works is fine. Yeah, there aren't really any rules at all in this. No. You know, you don't have to be, to you know, to um, a fit other people's perceptions of what you are. You can do what you want. Yeah, you know. Um, just going back to the whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Uh, which is obviously lubricating the conversation. Um, so, 
I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely, this is my favourite so far, mm. um, a rustic dance. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I can see your, your reasoning behind the song as well. I haven't seen The Wicker Man um, for a while. But, me neither, actually. Um, it did make me think, when I was thinking about the song, I was thinking, I have to watch that movie again soon. But, um, yeah. And it often, often, this is the Highlands too, so we're kind of, yeah. I guess that's up in the north, isn't it? Or set up in the north. Yes, yeah. I think it, was, it wasn't filmed there, was it? Was it Plockton maybe they filmed a lot of it? In oh, is that right? I, yeah. think they, I, I love Plockton. It's yeah. got a kind of um, strange microclimate. Yeah. Adding a little water. They, the little palm trees there. So I think yeah. you can see some palm trees there. I'll do the same. Add some water to... Um, a rustic dance. Yeah. Yeah, um, 1973, the, the Wicker Man. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> That's lovely. Yeah, I've got a little bit caught in the back of my throat there. Mm. I'll get you. <laughs> What's that? 62.1% volume will get you. Yeah. When you're. Um, <clears throat> delicious, absolutely delicious. Um, that's great. I'm I'm really pleased to hear that you know, teenage fan club are a sort of ever evolving. Well, you know, I th yeah, I think I mean, I think we are, uh, but uh, um, at the same time, we're still pretty much what we're all, we've always done. We're a kind of song-based band, you know. Um, <clears throat> I think with bands, I've always said this: you, you kind of just play to your strengths, you know. So we, we're quite good at doing harmonies. We can do that, and uh, you know, we can, you know, in terms of the guitar arrangement, we can do things that are quite interesting with that. So. It, you just kind of try and work on that and hone that as a, as a, and see it as being your craft and your technique in that craft because songwriting is a craft, right? So mm -hmm. it's like um, it's like anything. You, you know, people get better at making pots when they're potters. You know, it's yeah. like whatever you think you can develop techniques or whatever. And that's it's, there's no it's no different than being in a band. You do yeah. the same thing. Yeah. You play to your strengths. Should we move on to <clears throat> dram number four? I think we should. Lemons on the lawn. Oh yes. Well, here we go. So that's obviously um, giving us citrus notes from the title alone. It's a Speyside. Now this is Light and Delicate. It's a Speyside, which I like Speyside. So this is, um, Distilled in September 1997. Wow, this is old. Well, that is old. Wow. 22 years. When bottled 22 when bo yeah, years. When yeah, when bottled 22 years when bottled, yeah. Again, uh, ex-bourbon hogshead refill cask. Yeah. And a Speyside... Slightly less alcoholic, this one. It's 57.8. Um, let's go in. Lemons on the lawn. Okay, here we go. There it goes. Yeah. It's, it's you know, marked sort of much lighter. I was just going to say exactly. It's much, much lighter, isn't it, than the, uh, than the others? And it has a much lighter nose very as well. very mild, isn't it? Let's read some of... Uh, but you can definitely get the citrus from it. Yeah. Mm. Summery aromas of lush meadows and green grass merged with sweetly scented jasmine flowers as lemon and grapefruit brought a citrus twist. Fruity notes then developed into pineapple, melon and strawberry before vanilla suggested chocolate and custard. You know. Yeah, you can see all those things yeah. there, can't you really? The, 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 definitely the, the sort of fruitiness in it and the lightness. The nose is the lightest so far and this is mm. the light and delicate um, flavour profile so it all makes sense and it is very light I sometimes try a flavour profile and I find that um, even though a lot of the tasting notes will be similar it's actually a bit harsher or a bit, bit more of a punch than say a, a sort of young and sprightly or a sweet fruity and mellow Yeah, uh, but this one definitely fits the flavour it definitely profile. does doesn't it yeah yeah, it's lovely mm. 
Yeah, this is right up first. my street in terms of a, a whiskey. This is what oh. I like. This is them. Um, oh, really? Yeah. This is yeah. where I would go, yeah. And it's definitely um, citrusy when on the first sip. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, you've gone for a stone cold classic for uh, your, um, yeah. your music choice on this one. I, I think it was because of the lightness. Um, so I chose the Kinks Autumn Almanac. Okay, yeah. And, um, because there's a lightness in the song that I think um, just the, the whiskey reminded me of that. You know, just the sort of lightness, the airiness of it. You know, mm-hmm. the even the delivery, Ray Davies' delivery. Um, there's a great clip of them doing Autumn Mike on top of the pops, and it's like you know, just they, they look so laid back. It's brilliant. Um, um, and Ray Davies definitely has that lightness in terms of being a songwriter. I mean, I love him. I think he's like a, a, an amazing songwriter. Ah, me too. I think he's. I mean, you know, a lot of people say legend and genius a lot in modern parlance, and quite often I yeah. don't think the the people they're talking about are legends yeah. or geniuses. But I, I no, he, I have he, to he's say one he's for one, sure. Yeah, a lyrical and musical um, genius in the ten, in the sense that they, there's a lot of complexity and richness to the um, to, to to both of those things. You know, yeah. in, in terms of him as a songwriter, you know, he's a great lyricist. Um, and, but actually, when you listen to a lot of the songs and things that we are very familiar with, if you listen to the arrangement of Autumn Almanac, it's really unusual, you know? The time signature's a bit off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it does, the, the choruses and verses don't fit in the way that you would expect them to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually quite um, common in his songwriting, you know? But somehow he, makes the, he seems to make these unusual arrangements work and seem very Sound natural. E- yeah, effortless. So that's yeah. the thing. And I, it's like Paul McCartney. How many tunes has that man had in his head? I mean, they just they seem like yeah. perfect songs yeah. to me. And they do. It's, a, it's it, just having a gift for that that creation of melody mm. over um, again. Radiators because the, the radiators things are. Um, like I said, the, the, the chord structures are quite unusual very often. And, and actually, it's, you know, cause as a musician, mm-hmm. you know, you like to play other people's songs, you like to learn a song. And I find it really difficult to play Ray Davies songs because, the, uh, it, it, well, for one, that not, he, he sings the lower key register than I normally do, and, mm-hmm. but the keys are unusual in the songs, you know, very often. Um, and Is it sort of time for a capo? It know? could be a bit of that, yeah. But it seems to me it's going the other way. You know, it's like right. they're kind of lower than the E, or you know, you okay, might, they right. might, you know, um, whatever, you know. Um, so, um, but I think he writes a lot on piano, or he did back then. But um, but yeah, like again, um, the imagery in this song is amazing. You know, it's um, it's he's great at, um, at, at capturing um, the world of being a working class person mm-hmm. and and. Britain, certainly in the 60s, uh, you know, at that period when he was, that, that seems to be like he really captured what it was to be working class then, you know. And and there's a, there's a real cynicism to his lyric writing in, I, in some songs yeah, as well. I, like he's, I, these, he's, the other side of Ray Davis is a very, very dark person, I think, and there's, a, you know, um, I, I know he had mental health issues and whether mm-hmm. he's he had all sorts of things happen in his life. I think he was shot, wasn't he? And uh, really, was he? I and he was living that. in Atlanta. Uh, in a, uh, no, um, Atlanta was he? In, I think it was in Atlanta he was living. I'm not quite sure, but he, you know, yeah, he he was shot. Had, um, uh, but yeah, um, a very complex, complicated guy. This is on the album something else. Um, yeah, 1967. Uh, it's it's seen as their finest or one of their finest albums. Is is it your favourite? It's not. Um, I would. I, I think. Um, I think like many other people who really like the Kinks, I think it would be um, Village Green Preservation Society. That's the one for me too. Uh, and it's funny because <laughs> I sort of discovered that maybe in, in the 90s, probably, I think I'd heard 
and, and enjoyed park life by Blur. Yeah. And I kept seeing, rightfully so, people uh, sort of comparing it to the Village yeah. Green Preservation Society. Yeah, you can society. see why people would make that comparison. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, melodically, songwriting-wise, but also conceptually. Yeah. So I went back, discovered it, and was completely blown away. And, and again blown away that it wasn't successful at the time. Amazing. I think the, there was a thing before... I'm not quite sure if this is totally correct, but I think it's something like this, that they were banned from playing in America. Mm. Uh, they were stuck in in London or whatever, and they, so they wrote. Uh, I think it's a kind of quintessentially English album. It's about it being English, uh, you yes. know. It's about the you know. But, but um, again, it's it's cynical though. It's almost like it's got yeah, an arched eyebrow. There is that because also in the the um, a, he will it also sing a track like Victoria. He he's you know he's sort of reeling against uh, you, you know the the. Uh, fact that people were sort of all these sort of working class people died in the first world war sort of unnecessarily or whatever mm-hmm. you know or unnecessarily sorry um and so yeah there, yeah, there is a you know so he's sort of celebrating um I, I, I would say english culture primarily but um but also yeah um denigrates it in other ways in terms of what you think of something like victoria which is talking about the waste of the mm-hmm. of the lost generation of the, the in the first world war or whatever but um um but yeah, he's an interesting character. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's um, uh, here's a, a, a little funny um, side note. Um, when I was a kid, um, I was um, a baby, pretty much a couple of years old, and I only found this out ten years ago. So my folks were in Blackpool, and um, <clears throat> they went to a gig, and they took me along with them, and it was Ch- Tom Jones. But the opening band were the Kinks. Wow! So, I think you're talking 1968. And I think they were playing the songs from the Village Green. I mean, I can't remember. Oh. I wish I could remember. You know, but, yeah. I can't. but this, my dad told me a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, we took you. Yeah, it was the Kinks. It was. Well, I said it was Tom Jones and the Kinks, and you know, and, and I was like, what? Wait a minute, what? Yeah. And um, I was yeah. Like, yeah, no, it was like whatever. You know, Pleasure Beach or whatever. You know, mm. and um, and yes, yeah, so I, I, my first gig was the Kinks. Mm-hmm. Nine, uh, Village Green Without Pre- knowing it, yeah. Village Green Preservation Society Kings. I can't remember it at all. Oh, it's a shame. Isn't the next it? one was the Wombles. And, oh, uh, right, and, well, which uh, you can which remember every second. Can, of. Which was still pretty good. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and and the man behind the Wombles, Mike Batt. Yeah. Um, in terms of the music, um, this great songwriter. Amazing, you know? uh, really great songs actually. And, I, and it, uh, so I found out later too that Chris Spedding. Oh so right, yeah, punk yeah. Punk rock was a the sort of punk rock guitar player. Yeah, yeah. Was a Womble on the live shows. So I think I saw Chris Spedding play at, at those shows in 1975 or six, whenever it was. Wow. You know what? You learn something every day, and I've just learned that Chris Spedding was a Womble. He was a Womble. Yeah, he, he played <laughs> the Wombles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, how's the whiskey going down? Very, very nice, actually. Yeah. I mean, it's. They are the finest whiskies known to man at the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. Yeah, I mean, this is this is why we come here. Yeah, our teenage fan club, a whiskey drinking band. We are, um, yeah, um, <clears throat> to varying degrees, but yeah, we, um, uh, um, yeah, um, I would say out of the band, Raymond is probably the the, the, the biggest whiskey aficionado. Um, him, him and his wife Sharon are both like whiskey, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and you know have a good. Um, Selection of whiskies. If you go to their place for a, you know, whatever, you know, they'll, they'll they'll give you a nice dram. Um, yeah, I think we we you know um, bands have the rider, don't they? Yeah. We I think we don't necessarily have a bottle on the rider, but we take a bottle on tour with us, you know. So like, what, because what because obviously you you know you do the show and after the show, 
you stay in the hotel. So you always end up in someone's room. So maybe we'll get back to the room, get the bottle out, we'll have a dram. And, yeah. you know, you have, you know, the post-mortem of the yes, show or whatever. Right. Well, that was terrible or whatever. You know, you yeah. do that. So that's, yeah, so we so we do, yeah, we'll have it, we'll, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, what's, what's it now, 32 years as Something a like that, yeah. Uh, Definitely over 30, yeah. Yeah. Um, 89, so yeah, got 32, you, yeah. Were, were, you, were you quite rock and roll, but like in the early days? Um, I mean, you I, wild men on tour? I not think, without, you know, what no, goes no, on no, tour I, stays on no, tour. No, 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 I think, um, I, I don't think we were particularly crazy, but we held our own, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we had our moments. But we've, no, we've never been the. We've, I think we, our, our, we always thought that if you chuck a hotel room, uh, sorry, chuck a hotel. So if you chuck a TV out a hotel room window, then somebody's going to have to clean that up, you know, and it won't be the people who own the hotel. It's funny, I interviewed, and, and I know her a little bit as well, uh, Katie Tunstall, and she worked in hotels, and she yeah. says, you know, we all. You know, do mad things from time to time, but I am determined never to destroy a hotel room. Yeah, or I like do anything that. I think like I like, that I like because I've had to clear up after people. Yeah, let I like what she's saying. I think she's right, and that there's you do have to think about it. somebody's going to get. It's not the person who owns a hotel, or you know, or they, they, the, the corporation or whatever. Paid yeah. the least amount of money as an employee of the hotel. They've got to got to get and clean up your mess. So you know, it's um, um, but you know, um. But yes, yeah, so we're, we're not. We've never trashed hotel rooms, you know. But, but you we probably have left a couple in, um, you know, in states um, of disrepair. Yeah, yeah, I think we have. <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah, I'm going to add a tiny bit of water to the, the lemons on yep. the lawn just for my last sip, and then I think we should move on to yeah. dram number five. Sounds good. You know, I said autumn almond. Like, I think it was more for its lightness because, of course, autumn isn't summer, and citrus would make mm. you think of summer. But you know, but then um, you, you're, you know, you're often. Like eating fruit and making jams. Oh, I mm. certainly am. I love making jam now. That's how rock and roll I am well, these listen, days. I, I, I didn't know you made jam, but I, <laughs> you have to give me some jam. Then, Vicky, yeah, um, I, I make a good chili jam. Right, and oh, my okay. girlfriend and I do also do a sort of um, apple, uh, rosehip, bramble jelly type nice. thing. Nice. Oh, I like the sound yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's an autumn, an autumn. Yeah, fruit, yeah, yeah. It's like post summer. You've got the, the fruit off the trees. And you go, yeah. What are you going to do with it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're growing chilies at the moment. Oh, as well. amazing! Ah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I I absolutely love that one. I'm I still think out of the five, a rustic dance is the one for me so far. But we move on to our last dram and our last piece of music. Mm-hmm. Moving on to, to our fifth and final dram, around the world and back. Yes. Um, which is a single malt Indian whiskey, distilled the 31st of January 2016, so it's four, oh, and it's been aged for four years. Uh, the cask is a refill ex bourbon barrel, and it's Indian. Yes, I've never had an Indian I, I, uh, I've dram never before. Had, me, me neither. And, and we haven't had one on, on the podcast either, so this is really interesting. Now, I to my shame didn't even know that they made um, single malt whiskey in India I knew Japan was yeah, um, yeah. you know had ha, have a few distilleries I've had some and nice Japanese single malts but yeah but I, yeah I, I, mean, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise you can make it anywhere can yeah, you I suppose really, you know, but, you know. so it's off the, uh, the, the the tasting card around the world and back sweet and spicy is the profile so yeah. um, some of the comparisons are gingerbread uh, garam masala Funnily enough, hot cross buns, cinnamon Danish, balsamic strawberries, Thai sweet chili crisps, which is great. And on the card it says, a sweet fragrance filled the air that gave the impression of hibiscus flowers, sandalwood, cinnamon and marsala spices. Roses entwined around oak trees, as rhubarb suggested, an earthiness with tobacco and chai tea chests. 
which is well, you know, Thai, Thai sweet chilli crisp is a great because I, I, I could, when you said I was, I was sort of sniffing the whiskey and I could smell that. Oh yeah, I can smell it too. There's, dare wow. I say, almost a sort of slight garlickiness. Uh, yeah, to it. there's I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, it's not overpowering in any way, but there's that no. sort of salty spiciness. Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's very different to, to everything that we've, we've um, tasted before. Oh yeah, I mean the nose is completely different from. I mean, um, you know, sometimes you can have a completely different flavor profile, um, but the nose is quite similar. And then yeah, when you actually yeah. taste it, yeah, but the nose is very mouth. distinct in this, isn't it? It's, yeah, yeah. Right, I'm going in. Wow. Right. Well, this one stands out a mile, doesn't it? Really dry. Mm. You feel the dryness in that. You mm. know, it's like I'm. I get that. Um, mm-hmm. And then it just um, again is that to do with the alcohol? It's fifty nine point nine. Yeah, just you know, it felt like it dried up really quickly in my yeah. tongue there. You know, but like um, if you uh, like, I remember trying what's it, green chartreuse, and it was so alcoholic that you could feel it almost evaporating. Oh yeah, on yeah, your, on your <clears> tongue. And sometimes you get, I can see what you mean. It is a sort of a dryness to it. Yeah. Um, now you've gone for an Ennio Morricone track mm. to pair with this one. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I'm trying to go, well, you know, I think again, go back to the, um, you know, the spacey and sweetness. Uh, the, 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 the track is, um, I don't know, it just, it just suggested that track, it seems to be that the track is quite spacey and sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but the, um, but the, there's also something uh, about that track. It's, uh, it's kind of, um, <clears throat> I mean, people think of um, any any Morricone and his soundtrack music, mm-hmm. but this is kind of, uh, it's, an, it's still an instrumental track, but it's quite light and poppy. Yeah. In fact, it's almost like a kind of indie, sort of indie band. I know something exactly what you mean. If they were an instrumental indie band. Well, I didn't know this track. I know Ennio Morricone's music quite well. I mm. mean, I'm a huge fan, and a big regret of mine is that he performed with an orchestra. Um, I think he conducted an orchestra uh, and, and was touring just a few years ago, yeah. and they played at the Usher Hall. My friend Douglas went to see that, and I, I didn't go, but I'd love to have seen that. Amazing. I yeah. wish I'd gone because sadly, of course, he passed away yeah. July 2020. I mean, I think the Maestro is amazing. Yeah. Um, incredible. But this is interesting because the, the, the song is like. Um, it's driven by an acoustic it's, guitar. It's a two-chord chugger, yeah. isn't it? It's and it's a, an acoustic guitar playing the, the riff, which yeah. people will hear when they, they hear the track. But yeah, it's, a, it's kind of it's really really simple. Um, but I, so I, I'm not entirely sure why this. There's something uh, maybe um, I don't know. This to me um, maybe the whiskey. It's, it's La Moda. Um, yeah, from, La, La Moda um, from um, the film La Donna Invisible or mm. The Invisible Woman. He says probably in terrible uh, so, attempted Italian there, but, but well, I think maybe this this was kind of unexpected. The 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 the, the, the flavour of this whiskey, the, 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 you know, the, the, um, it sort of just brought to mind. Yeah, yeah, just um, is this a track you'd been listening to sort of fairly recently? Well, or? no, do you know I've, I've I've listened to that this track over the years um, I, as one that I've liked. I, li- I kind of like so I like I love Morricone's cinematic stuff. But I really like these kind of simplistic. Pop things that he does. This, but and again, this is just he probably knocked this off in half an hour. It's well, got little sort of organ and brass kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. There's little motifs it. towards yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, uh, kind of playing around the the main melody or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Um, Do you know what I? I Funnily enough, we mentioned, talked about home uh, of the new album. Hmm. That that end section with the with Raymond solo, which I I love that. Um, 
it's there was something about this that reminded me of that. I mean, it's not the same rhythm or anything like that, but okay, yeah. it's that it's a kind of because by that point in the song, home, you've got to a kind of like it's basically you know two chords basically yeah. while, rhythmically mm. while yeah. Raymond noodles on yeah, top he, um, he, brilliantly by the way oh and, yeah, um, thank you yeah. I, I love that and it's it's it never goes where I expect it to go melodically yeah. but it's kind of a bit like this in the, a way. it is like this do you see yes. what I mean I by totally that? see what you mean by that yeah yeah I totally see that yeah it's it's um I mean, it's actually, I think that it's very, very complex, the flavour of this, actually, for me. I, you know, mm. the other ones have been kind of easier to pin down in a way. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I do. I think there's lots of different things in this. Mm. Um, have you, like, you know, slightly random question, but seeing as we're drinking an Indian single malt, have you, have you played in India? Never played in India, no. no Why? They, I mean, you know, and I, you know, I know of some people that have, but I think the, the gigs are hard to come by um, because they're generally, it uh, would be promoted by the British Council. I think there was a thing where they would put on gigs. So some people that I've, played, I've worked with have played in India, but no, I've never been there. Um, and not even as a tourist or whatever, you know. Right, but, um, yeah. But certainly not to play. But a you're show. open to it. Absolutely, yeah. It'd be Should amazing. an Indian music promoter it be listening? It would be incredible. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we would be. We'd love to go and um, play some shows oh, I, there. But you know, I, you know, I, I have absolutely no idea what teenage fan club's profile would be in a place like that. But you'd like to think that there'll be. There's, the, there's a lot of people in India. The, the, you know, I think that's the thing about the internet that has been is that people you do find out that you have fans. You know, you know, in all sorts of places. You know. Um, um, but we've, uh, I think for us, we've always, it's, it's, and it's also kind of random where you, you, as a band you'll do well. Japan, we do well there, it's amazing, it's great. Um, Norway is good for us, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Spain is great for us, you know. Other places, not so much, but it's just funny that, and I, I'm not sure what that's to do with whether uh, the, the, a record has just been promoted well in a, a, a region at some point. Or whatever, Radio you know. picks up on that it. That kind of thing, or, yeah. you know, but... Um, but yeah, I think the other thing is to you. I, I mean, I, I've still loved the idea of going to a new place, and um, I'm trying to think of the last time we did that. Well, we, we played in South Korea, played in Seoul, um, but that's a few, going in, back inside a, Korea. Yeah, going back a few years, but that was amazing. But you know, like um, so if I we, would be interested, what's the audience reaction? Um, well, do they go absolutely crazy? Again, it's great. I think because or? the internet, people are aware of the music, you know. So you 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 can you will hope you will have fans in different places, but um, you know. So, uh, but you know, we've never played in Russia or, but any of those kind of um, sort of ex sort of Soviet Union states, we get Latvia. We've never done any shows there. Never been in Africa mm -hmm. at all. I mean, which are, there aren't many bands that played in Africa from you know. European bands that have played in Africa, you know, which is... You know, um, People say, I, I don't know if this is correct, you, you'll know far better than me, but uh, Scottish audiences are famously buoyant and lively and, you know, tell you if they love you or if they hate you. Uh, yeah. But I've also heard that... Mexico is has got a yeah. brilliant. Um, well, you know, we've audience. never played in Mexico. I've, I've been personally in Tijuana across the border. We've never played a show in Mexico City. But yeah, I believe Mexican audiences are amazing. Brazil, we have played in Brazil, and that's incredible. That's an amazing place. Um, I mean, I, you know, I think it's like well, actually, the musical um, history and the heritage of that country is amazing. The bossa nova thing, mm. unbelievable. I know, I love bossa nova. Chico well. Buarque, yeah. you know, amazing, amazing, amazing music. Um, and uh, but yeah, so it was great playing there. You know, um, but um, yeah, 
would be great to play more South American countries. Chile would be great, whatever, you know. Mm. I know teenage fan clubs an ongoing concern as we've been discussing, you know, your, your, the way the band is evolving and changing uh, as time goes on. But if you look back at your 32, 33 year, you know, year career, um, it, is there a particular time when you just went, that will never be better? That was just like... I'm just thinking sure. that breakthrough moment around about Bandwagon-esque um, Spin Magazine voting it best yeah. album of the year above Nevermind and well, you know, Out I think, of Time, I think The thing about that is, like, um, and I, I should make people aware that we were, our album was voted album of the year by Spin Magazine. Yeah. But I should also make um, listeners aware that the um, commissioning editor um, or the reviews editor at Spin Magazine was a guy called Stephen Daly, who was the drummer in Orange Juice who were a Scottish, a Glasgow band even. Yeah. And I, I, he may have had some influence in that. I don't know. I'm just, you know uh, don't, 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 put, don't put yourself down. He listened to all those records and went, I the Glasgow I, band. I, well, 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 yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but, um, but no, I think, uh, you know, highlights, of, we've done some great things. I mean, it's still, I think we're, I think for us, it's, we, we still great, feel great and very privileged to be making music now and making albums. It's great, you know. But think, you know, we toured with Nirvana on the Nevermind tour in Europe, and that was great to watch that phenomenon, you know, mm-hmm. be part of it in a very small way, being the opening act and no one watching you. But, you know, you're, you know, and we got to know those guys pretty well. Yeah, um, and I believe you were, um, Nirvana famously covered um, three, four tracks by the Vaselines. Yeah. And yeah. You, you know Eugene and yeah, Francis yeah. very well yeah. um, but you were at the meeting of yeah, was at the, the time when Kurt Cobain met I was Eugene the other Kelly. person in the room when um, Eugene and Kurt met yeah yeah. and we'd gone through the so the uh, Nirvana were playing in Edinburgh um, and asked um, the Vaselines to re, or if they would you know play with them whoever so they, they reformed for this show and um, we drove through in the back of a van well sort of certainly me and Eugene were in the back of the van uh, and we got to the venue and uh, we sort of walk into the venue, and so we meet um, Chris Novoselic. He's there, and I remember, I remember being this very tall, very yeah. tall man. And he says, "Oh, hey, hey, how are you guys doing?" And oh, yeah, I'm Eugene, uh, and whatever. He says, "Oh, yeah, Eugene, Kurt's really looking forward to meeting you. He's upstairs in the dressing room." So me and Eugene toured off to the dressing room, and we knock on the door, and open the door, and it was when Kurt was wearing that really heavy eyeliner, you know, the, the black eyeliner. And so they, they, we open the door and Kurt turns around and he sees Eugene and he says to Eugene, oh man, I can't believe I'm meeting Eugene Kelly from the Vaselines. Just a, a, a very small thing, but I remember that moment. I was like, oh, there you go. Yeah. And, and Eugene's a very self-deprecating guy. And a, very you know, funny, very and, funny yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was just a great thing, you know, just that, you know. And of course, it was just a, a, a moment at that time, you know, you were not thinking... You're unaware of what's going to happen, and you know, for well, any, anyway. This is the thing. I mean, I was lucky enough, um, and it, it always impresses younger bands when I meet them. But I was lucky enough to see um, Nirvana four times. Um, yeah, wow. Twice in Edinburgh, the Carlton Studios. Yeah. So, uh, so that was one of those shows with the Carlton Studios. It must yeah, have been one of those. Yeah. But the Vaseline's one was Carlton Studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. And uh, who's the other band on Shonen Knife? I think Shonen Knife. Yeah. Were the other band supporting? Oh, yeah. And the first time I saw Nirvana, they had L7 supporting, which was yeah. a great bill. We, we toured with them too. We played in Europe with L7, we did a European tour with L7. Oh, that must have been great fun. That was good fun. They were great, nice people. I've got another small anecdote on this, but, but this, you talk about showing a knife playing with Nirvana. Um, I was staying in Glasgow at the time when I was in, 
um, I was um, in, in the West End, um, and I was walking across the the, the uh, bridge at Kelton Bridge or whatever, and like um, and a van pulled over. It was like kind of just walking down the street. This van screeched over, and it was Nirvana and Shonen Knife that were in the van. <laughs> they kind of they jumped out. Kurt jumped out of the van. Wah! Yeah. I was like, wow, fucking hell. <laughs> we, can we can bleed that. out. We can bleed that out. But yeah, it was, they, they, they were, yeah. They, nah. saw, they must have saw me in the lab. You know, there's, I mean, there's me being lucky enough to have seen Nirvana a few times, but there can't be many people that would have Nirvana stop their van, jump out and accost them on the street. <clears throat> so that, that's... Oh, there you go. I know. I, I the eye. But, but the but, thing is, going back to what we're saying, it's like, I'm sure... Well, well, I'm not I'm sure. Just, that's the thing I hadn't thought about for a long time because it just it was a bad thing that happened one afternoon in Glasgow. But, but, well, but, and, and, you know, when you were... When I was watching that band, we loved them. We loved Mudhoney. We loved Tad. Mm. We loved all of the sort of Seattle and grunge kind of Washington State kind of bands. And... Um, but we didn't think they were going to reinvent rock music or they were going to have the impact that they've had. Yeah. Did you... We Obviously, on the Nevermind tour, you must have watched it all. It was a phenomenon. It, it was, that, exactly, a phenomenon. And, um, yeah, um, you could really... And it was amazing to be to witness that and be around it. But, you know, um, I think it was a bigger thing for the Americans, in a way, because I think they kind of... Um, they know, hadn't had their punk. They hadn't had it. Like, Sonic, they told, the year punk broke, I think they... Yeah. Sonic just put that... Yeah, yeah. And um, so that was that was their breakthrough. Whereas it happened here in the late seventies. Yeah, it's a shame because I mean the, the the Americans I suppose invented punk, whether it be the sixties yep. stuff like the Sonics and and so on, the, the Whalers and all those noisy bands. And then obviously Ramones, Television, Blondie, yeah, um, you know, happening in CBGBs, that whole scene, Talking Heads, and so on. But it was the UK stuff that broke through yeah, and, and it's, invented it's, it's, it's the word in a way. Because the, the, Be- the Beatles were punk rock to Americans at that time if, mm. in terms of they kind of shook up or that kind of, what, what they were doing and what other bands like the Beatles were doing mm-hmm. um, took it to America and, you know, um, and shook up. The, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's kind of been batted back and forth. But, um, yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, like Teenage Fan Club, an extraordinary career and some incredible records. Grand Prix being my personal all-time favourite but I mean there's just so many great tracks on all of the albums and yeah just now in a different stage of your life and your career and so on you're, you, you you always strike me as someone although I know that some of the lyrics on the the last album the current album um, are quite dark and, and oh. introspective and so on you strike me as rel- confident and happy within yourself and well, with, yeah, within the band and I think so yeah I mean I think um, yeah we still enjoy I, as a band as a, a collection of musicians or whatever we enjoy playing together it's good fun we were practicing yesterday we, yeah. you know we still call it practicing I think we, well, yeah yeah know, I do too yeah you know it's like rehearsing yeah, sounds too grandiose yeah it does somehow. it does a bit yeah but it, it's still just nice getting together and making music there's still a, it, it's still really thrilling you know and, mm. and fun and and yeah, we've got we're, we're playing soon. We're doing shows soon, and and it's been a long time since we've been able to do that. Yeah, and it has been. Uh, I've, you know, personally, I've really missed that. You know, it's like because um, it is kind of part of who I am. What you know, this yeah. is, you know, it's what I do, and I've, I, you know, so it's going to be great to be out there playing again. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, for us too, I think. Um, it has to be enjoyable. It can't be, you know. It can't be a. It can't be work. No, it can't be work. And I, I think the the you know we all have to be in a good 
placed in terms of our relationship with each other. But we are. It's all yeah. It's all good. And I think we feel privileged to be still making music. I really do. Well, feel, I, feel I, like... I personally think we should leave it there because we, we, you and I could talk about music and whiskey all, we could, all night. I'm sure but, we absolutely uh, could. Think um, we're going to put all the tracks on um, the, a Spotify playlist for everyone to listen to them in their entirety. So all of the podcasts and all of the music choices. So it's going to be a, a very odd playlist because there'll be lots of different music choices. But I think that will just add to um, you know the, the spice of it. The whiskeys oh, have been so. yeah. um, delicious. So we've had Gang of Four. We've had Captain Beefheart, we've had Magnet and Paul Giovanni, we've had the Kinks and finishing off with Ennio Morricone. Norman, an absolute pleasure. Lovely to see you and well, lovely likewise. to have a few drams Th- with thanks you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Vic. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks for checking out Malts and Music. I hope you enjoyed it. Remember, we are building a playlist of all the tracks discussed. You can find that on Spotify. And for all your whiskey needs, unfiltered, whiskey talk, and so much more, head along to the website smws.com. I'm Vic Galloway. This is the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society, and I'll speak to you in a month's time. Uh-huh.